Hey all, welcome to the short-term show special episode series on the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. We are doing a 10 episode deep dive into buying short-term rentals in the Smoky Mountains. So we're gonna talk about a lot of things in these episodes and we'll probably be doing a quarterly update from here on out after we finish these 10. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get those delivered straight to your phone when they come out. Uh, we do have some supplemental materials for you in addition to the content on this podcast. So any information that you need on current property pricing, you can find on our website at theshorttermshop.com. And we also have, courtesy of our friends over at AirDNA, current AirDNA data for this market on our website as well. So you can check that out on theshorttermshop.com. And if you guys are interested in buying a property in the Smoky Mountains with a short-term shop agent, you can email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com. Or if you just want to learn more about buying short-term rentals in this market, you can join our Facebook group. We've created a 50,000 person community on Facebook all about investing in short-term rentals. You can join that. It's the same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. See you guys over there. Hey guys, welcome back to the Short-Term Show special episode, Smokies edition. Today we're talking about pricing and calendar in this market specifically. We have three experts. We have first, Julie McCoy. Julie, if you want to introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Julie McCoy. I'm one of the agents on the short-term shop in the Smokies, and I own I own seven um, vacation rentals in the Smokies, and uh, yeah, I've been doing this for a while now. Awesome. Next, we have Derek Tellier. Derek, you want to introduce yourself really quick? Absolutely. Uh, Derek, uh, over in the Smokies, agent as well. Uh been around the short-term shop for since uh, just short, Julie was in before me, but since very early stages of the short-term shop. But uh, my my friendship and relationship with Luke and Avery goes back way before that, uh, hence the rock and roll t-shirts, because that's where our lives all started. Mm-hmm. Um, I have got uh, yeah, 11 uh, active short-term rentals in the Smokies, uh, one more that's in the process of a major remodel right now. And uh, I like to play and experiment. So um, I'm always learning new stuff about pricing and calendars. So uh, this is going to be exciting for me regardless. And the man who needs no introduction, Mr. Luke Carl. Mate, Avery, it's great to be here. I'm fired up. I'm, uh, I'm having a great day. It's a beautiful day here in uh, in sunny Florida. But, uh, you yeah, know, a big giant piece of my heart is in East Tennessee. I love it very much. So I appreciate you for having me on this call. I do own five cabins in uh, in the smoky mountains on the tennessee side and uh one of those is the longest running airbnb uh in the in the smoky mountains uh because avery and i were doing this back before anybody ever heard of it um and uh well on airbnb anyway uh not necessarily the uh the entire concept obviously yeah i was but, gonna say there have been cabins uh, up there being rented since before you were born and julie likes to tell me i'm wrong so um, yes, I uh, i'm happy to be here thanks for having me <laughs> Okay, so we're talking all things pricing and calendars. Do you guys think, as the experts, that it it would be better for us to start with general pricing or start with calendars first and move into pricing? I'm thinking calendars first. Yeah, because I think you know discussing the seasonality of any market is going to be relevant to how you're pricing. Very, very 
Good point. All right. So what is the seasonality of the Smokies? Let's start there. When's high season? Are there any dips throughout the year that people might not be aware of that might come as a surprise? Let's talk about that first. I mean, yeah, in uh, in short, I think every vacation market is seasonal to some degree. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to invest in the Smokies is because it has less seasonality than uh, than a lot of markets. So it felt very consistent, but there still is ebbs and flows. Um, just looking at the calendar year going in January, February is low season in the Tennessee Smokies. It's, you know, you're past the holidays. The weather just is kind of nasty. It's just cold and rainy for the most part. And, and so that's, that's our low season and the opportunity that we get to go in and like make any repairs and kind of get, uh, you know, rest and recover from the rest of the year. Um, March, when things start warming up, spring breaks start happening, really starts to pick up their peaks in the summer, um, June through, uh, you know, August till school starts. And then uh, you get a bit of a lull. And uh, October is another high season when we have the leaves leaves turning, um, the colors rolls right into the holidays and you finish your strong. So it's kind of a broad overview. But yeah, I'll let uh, Derek and Luke talk about some of the nuances within that. Yeah, to dig in a little bit, you know, one thing with the offseason, January, February, Dollywood is closed in January and February. The entire uh, park is uh, they close like after the first week of January. So that, you know, slows things down and the park itself can get closed down uh, because of weather. We don't have really bad winters here, but it's unpredictable and we can get snow at any point between December and February. And when it does, it pretty well shuts everything down because we're just not prepared for it because it doesn't happen often enough. So that's definitely a slow season. That being said, there's still people coming here. So there is still, it's not like it drops to zero. Uh, May typically slows down a little bit. You get spring break through March and April. And then May is kind of a little bit of a hangover because school's wrapping up, people are finishing up. So you get a little bit of a, of a downturn in May compared to April and certainly June spikes up. And then September, same type of thing with Labor Day. People go back to school. It kind of dips a little bit before the leaves start to change. And then you get that fall season. And even I'll let Luke get into, you know, the holidays more, but even through those November, December, you can make, you know, you can do phenomenal in those months, but your occupancy may not be crazy in November and December because there's going to be weeks in there where there's just nobody coming. Well, yeah, I mean, if I'm taking the holidays, then uh, yeah, it gets a little weird. Like the first three weeks of November are going to be slow. First three weeks of December are going to be kind of slow. You can get them booked. You can absolutely get them booked. You got to work on them further in advance than normal. Um, as everybody knows, well, you should know 90% of all, uh, according to Airbnb, 90% of all vacations are booked 30 days in advance or less. So when it comes to a time like 1st of November, 1st of December, that is more difficult to book, then I would recommend trying to get those booked more than 30 days in advance out, you know, like doing a little work, meaning like moving a couple of things around in your description or your headline or using some kind of catchphrases that are season specific, that kind of thing. And then November, uh, the cool thing about those is, you know, November, December, you get Thanksgiving and Christmas, which are massive. Um, and, and a lot of times your December will end up being, my December usually ends up being right on par with like a March, um, give or take, like a normal-ish month, if there is such a thing in, in short term. Uh, because, of you know, Christmas is going to be so heavy uh, and you maybe you could put a longer minimum night stay on your Christmas and Christmas is a sweet spot. You know, we could do a whole hour on just Christmas and when and when and how to book it. Um, but uh, and then, you know, you roll in after 
uh, New Year's and, and things get a little wacky again. But what I want to what I want to point out, I'm sure we're going to get to this anyway, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Don't 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 you know when you hear all these dates, these slow times, and this and that. Don't base when you're going to buy your property on that. Uh, mm. You know so. Uh, you know, oh, I shouldn't buy in the slow season. Yeah, why? I mean, you first of all, don't overthink it. And second of all, just buy when you got the down payment. That's the hard part anyway, you know? And yeah, maybe you have to carry this thing, thing for a month or two. Uh, big deal. You're going to be d- too so busy getting it ready. These things are hard to get set up, you know? I mean, it's a lot of time and effort with couches and, and pictures and all this other stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wouldn't spend too much time uh, basing, basing your purchase on on whether it's busy or slow out there. Well, and the other part is our slow season is only a couple of months long. So, you know, your average real estate transaction from when you go under contract to closing is going to be at least 30 days. And so that's half of it right there. You know, never mind the part that goes into, you know, identifying the property, offering, getting under contract, and then, you know, after closing the setup, as you're saying. So, you know, if you open the year, it's like, oh, it's slow season. You're running right into high season, you know, as you're ready to launch. So I actually view that view, all other things being equal. I like buying in the slow season for that reason, but I agree. It's not, it's don't try and time the market in that respect. Just uh, when you are ready to pull the trigger, go for it. And to take that a step further, after you close, your first mortgage payment isn't due until the first full month that you own it. So that's even a little bit longer time, depending on what part of the month you close. Sorry, Derek, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Good point. Very good point. Um, I'll just put a bow on it and say, you know, one of my earliest mentors in in real estate said every day is a good day to buy real estate. It's just buy a good deal. I, I don't care if it's January, February, June, July, I'm not basing my purchases on the season. Uh, if I, I'm always looking and if I got a good deal in front of me, I'm buying it. I don't care what the what date it is. So yeah, for sure. Put a nail down. All right. So let's talk about our actual calendars on our, um, on our property management software. So how far in advance do you open your calendar and make it available, your property available for booking? 12 months. Yeah. Uh, I know. I have played with this. I have gone back and forth it's because I listened to Luke and he changed his mind every every six months or so. But um, I have gone back and forth. I have done three months. I have done six months. I have done like four months just to be weird. I just recently went back to 12 months. Um, I'm keeping it simpler. I'm going 12 months. My pricing is, we'll get into pricing. My pricing is set to make sure that we have bumps later on. But I am at 12 months now on almost all my calendars. Uh, I'm trying to keep it simple and I don't see any reason not to if you have things set up appropriately otherwise. Yeah, see, it, it, my answer to this is there is no wrong answer on this. Uh, and um, I, I, 12 months, absolutely, you're both right. One thing to note in my, in my experience, make sure whatever you're choosing on both platforms, you keep it the same. There have been times where I'm like, man, I wish I could do three months out on my Airbnb and six months out on my Verbo because Verbo guests, again, I'm not, I don't want to start this conversation, but Turbo guests tend to be a little on the older side, maybe do a little more planning ahead, you know? So it would be nice maybe to, if you really want to get in the weeds, that might be, but it doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, it will screw up your calendars if you do that. Now, what I do is I do a, I would call it a custom calendar. So I go on Airbnb and Verbo and I, I click. So you got, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months in the, in, in, in the future. I click all future dates, uh, which is an Airbnb term. It's got a different name on Verbo, although same meaning and very similar, uh, but slightly different name. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. 
But um, and then what I'll do is that allows me to to well, what happens if, if you do that is it no longer rolls off in a, a day in the in the future, right? So if you have a twelve month or a six month, uh, let's say you have a six month, which for right now would be just after the Fourth of July. We're recording this in February, so uh, the the fifteenth of July, today's Valentine's Day, Happy Valentine's, uh, will become available tomorrow, right? And then the sixteenth, the next day, and then the seventeenth. I don't like that because I, uh, I'll get caught off guard, caught my pants down, if you will, uh, and two weeks have gone by, and then next thing you know, a big holiday rolled open. There's other ways to fix that, though. So mm-hmm. this is why I'm telling – this is why I'm saying Julie and, and Derek are not wrong. You could do a season on, on Price Labs for whatever, you know, 4th of July. Let's say it's a big major holiday getting ready to roll out. You can do a season on, on, on Price Labs that will recur every year based on whatever dates you want it to. And you can put whatever price you wanted to for those dates. So when those dates become available, they're automatically bumped up to whatever you want them to be. You could do it that way too. Um, but I do like the custom thing. Like I said, right now I'm currently available until um, Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, I have, I'm open until the first, uh, first two weeks or three weeks of November. And then I'm blocked as of right now. I change it all the time. As Derek said. <laughs> well, in the way that I deal with that, sort of a sort of thing because you know okay it's the day after christmas you don't necessarily want someone booking next year's christmas you know especially if you don't have your rates set the way you want but you know and we're going to get into price labs and and stuff like that in more detail i'm sure but price labs has a feature where you can say all right i you know price Labs is going to look at what they think the pricing should be looking into the future, but you can go in and say, all right, any dates that are more than whatever number of days, whether that, you know, they call it like far out pricing and like very far out pricing. You tell it like, if it's more than 180 days in the future, then I want you to raise the rate that you think it should be by X amount of dollars or X percent. And so I've got mindset that way, you know, and you can do this in different levels. Um, so I've got it set. So if it's more than 180 days in the future, it's got something like a 50% premium on it. If someone wants to book my Christmas next year that badly that they're going to pay one and a half times the rate that Price Labs thinks it should be, and Price Labs knows that's a holiday, um, be my guest. That sounds great. I've had that happen once or twice before, paid a sky high rate, and um, you know, and they were no nope, no trouble. I have no problem with that. Well, before we get too far in the weeds on Price Labs, let's talk about the importance of using a pricing tool such as Price Labs versus pricing manually. Who wants to tackle that? Because it's a big one. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll I'll lead it um, in that if you're sitting at a base price, you are leaving so much money on the table. It's it's not even funny. And and as agents, we see this all the time with properties that our buyers are buying and and even list agents will will tell us I'm, I'm working with a client right now where you know the comment was where you know she's not making much money she has it priced at like 150 dollars a night across the board you, there is seasonality there are going to be weekends there are going to be dates there are going to be times that people will pay more obviously holidays there are stuff that goes on that you don't even think of the smokies has rod run in the spring they have another you know car show they have several car shows throughout the year another one in the fall as an, a typical person, even somebody that lives here, I don't remember when those dates are, but guess what? Price Labs does. And then they know because they look at the history, they can see it. It's actually, I'm surprised sometimes when I see it jacking up my rates for certain weekends and I don't even realize why 
I've got properties over in Townsend, just the other side of the of the foothills. And I saw a weekend that was all jacked up, super high rates. Turns out there's a Jeep invasion there that weekend. I didn't even know it was coming. So you are going to leave money on the table if you're not using uh, dynamic software. Well, I want to say when I first started using dynamic software, I was very concerned that it was pricing too high. I would look at the rates that it was charging and or suggesting and I was like, no one's going to pay that. And yet I was wrong. You know, did every night get booked? No, but that's not going to happen anyway, generally speaking. And um, and yeah, I was amazed at what people would pay to stay at my property. And so I learned very quickly to trust it. It's not infallible. Like you still have to pay attention to it. But man, I mean that's probably the biggest revenue driver that I've done. And it's so simple and so inexpensive. So absolutely worth it. It's going to be a little scary at first, probably. You're going to look at it and be like, there's no way that's going to book. Keep an eye on it. You you will be surprised. And uh, yeah, once it kind of gets past a certain comfort level, then you can always override it and adjust it. But I really recommend giving it a shot and seeing what it can do. And it's going to it's going to change your expectation and understanding of what people will pay in your market. You're going to use price lab. Simple as that. There's 8 million podcasts out there on this. And, uh, and of course they have their own YouTube channel and everything. There's wheelhouse beyond pricing, et cetera. Uh, every single person I know in the business uses price labs. It'll definitely make your life easier. All right. Yeah, thanks guys. And never underestimate what somebody's willing to pay. Yes. Yes. Definitely. No agree. discounts, no discounts ever. <laughs> All right. So we talked about opening your calendar and what general rules are surrounding that. Really, it, we kind of found that there really aren't any rules. What about minimum night stays? And everybody here owns a range of different size properties. So I see one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making when they're doing, when they post in our short-term rental listing advice Facebook group and they say, hey, why am I not booking? And they have some outrageous minimum night stay. So what is y'all's advice in terms of minimum night stays for small versus medium versus large properties? <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, part of it's market specific. We're talking about the Smokies and uh, you kind of want to understand the vacation pattern here. So there are people that will come and stay for a week, but for the most part, you're looking at stays of three and four days long. Um, and that is pretty across the board. So if you are limiting yourself to like, oh, it's got to be like a Saturday to Saturday check-in, like you might see it in a beach market, um, you're really you're really creating an obstacle for yourself that's not necessary. Now, there's the other side of the fence where it's like, oh, well, you can just book a one-night stay. That can be problematic for other reasons. Um, as a single-night stay, especially at a larger property, is going to uh, you know create a scenario that's more inviting to parties. Um and other situations you may not want to mess with. With a small property, if you got like a little one bedroom, a one night stay might be fine. I would, you know, you'd want to make sure that your cleaners are cool with that, but you know, you can do that. And I've done that before without having any issues. Now I just don't like the hassle factor of it. So I've got a two night minimum um, on my little properties. And these are like one bedroom cabins. Um, and for my bigger properties, I have a minimum of three nights uh, for like a close, but I've got it. I want at least three nights. If it's within the next two weeks, I'll probably cut it down to a two night minimum. 
Um, if it's far out, I want four to five nights, depending on the season. This is all stuff that I have set up in Price Labs. Yeah, very similar. Um, my smaller stuff, I have two night minimum as it gets. And again, it's seasonality and and there's really no necessarily wrong answer, I don't think. But I don't do I don't do one night on anything um, unless it happens to be an orphan night or we're coming into a, you know, a, a situation where, you know, it's last minute and then I might open it up. But generally, I'm looking for at least two nights, anything one and two bedroom for sure. Three bedrooms depends on my three bedrooms. I've got some small three bedrooms. I've got some larger three bedrooms. So my smaller three bedrooms, I kind of run just like a one and a two because they only sleep six probably. Um, so I'm usually doing those at two nights with three nights on the weekend. So Friday and Saturday, I'm usually trying to get three nights and then I kind of watch it. And again, as we get into summer, I might expand that a little bit. I'm still going to probably stick with twos, but the three nights, I'm going to be a little bit more diligent about on the weekends. On my bigger properties, I've been doing um, three night minimum with four night on the weekends. And, you know, I just recently, it's slow time of year, but I was trying to get a couple of bookings and President's Day weekend is is today's recording is this coming weekend. And I wasn't booked. And I was like the only property, the only good size property not booked that I could that I could find. And I had it set up with Friday and Saturday as four night minimums. I dropped it to three night minimum. And within 24 hours, I had a booking for the weekend. So you got to recognize that, you know, a, a weekend travel like that, someone's going to come in on Friday, stay till Monday on a holiday weekend. Four night may sound good. You think you're going to get maximum. But the reality is your people aren't even seeing it because they're looking for Friday to Monday. So I'm sticking closer to three nights unless I'm about five or six months out. Then I'm looking at four or five nights again, because same thing back to the holiday stuff. If you want to book it that far in advance, you're going to pay a premium and you're going to lock in for a really long for a longer stay because I'd rather you not book it that far in advance. Mm -hmm. Luke, do you have anything to add to that? No, they're crushing it. <laughs> OK, so let's talk about the ins and outs of price labs not necessarily in a like how to use it sense but using it to tailored to this market so i know there's minimums there's maximums there's all kinds of little settings you can do what are the tips and tricks that are specific to the smokies that you guys use and recommend the most i don't know that there's anything specific you know for any market it's i'm in i'm in how many markets and it's the same thing everywhere it's enemy method all the time for me personally i if if I don't know what to price my property, and that's usually only when I'm new to a market, I just sit there and spend a couple hours, you know, over a period of a week, maybe, you know, not it doesn't even have to be all the same time. Uh, studying my enemies, uh, people get people get obsessed. I think a, a little bit too. If you by the way, if you're not familiar, we shouldn't assume anybody knows enemymethod.com. Uh, it's basically just studying your competition. But watch Avery's video on that enemymethod.com. Right. So uh, I think people get a little too obsessed with not being able to find the perfect enemy mm. uh, when, in my opinion, um, somebody that's not perfect is could be even more perfect than the perfect enemy, right? Um, you know, just go find somebody who's good at it that's with, within a certain range of your house. Um, and if you can't, I mean, if you're, in a, if you're going into a, a small area, a little small little market like Cape Sandblast, I'm, I'm dealing with a cleaner locked out of my house right now. Uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, like a little town, a little, little area like that, there might not be any competition, which is great, but it's scary. You know, if you're brand new going into a smaller market like that and you're like, oh, cause it gives you warm fuzzies to see that your neighbors are doing well. Oh, I, if they're doing this, I can probably do a little better. I, I, this guy's, I mean, he's got terrible pictures. He's only got 14 pictures and the kitchen sinks are for Micah and all this stuff. You know, uh, I can, you know, you get a little bit of a confidence boost seeing that somebody like that is doing well. Um, and, uh, so, you know, 
fine. Your enemy doesn't have to be like, oh, this is the guy I'm going to go to battle with him every day and take him down. You know, it's not a freaking video game, you know, but you just go around and, and, and you find people and see what they're doing. It's exactly like long-term rentals on Zillow. Okay. I got this three, two over here in this school district. Let me go see if there's anything for rent over there. How much can I get? You know, it's, it's not as broad of a range in, in long-term. You can usually get a pretty decent idea just by guessing. Uh, and then you go and reassure yourself on Zillow. Same thing here with the enemy method, except for there's a, a whole lot more uh, stuff out there to uh, to examine. And that's pretty much how I do it. Everybody's looking for some secret sauce with all these data websites and all this stuff. Maybe I'm old. Maybe it's my gray hair coming through. I just go look at what my neighbors are doing, and I, and I figure out how I can do it better than them and how much I can charge by doing better than them. Well, and here's what's here's what's great about short term rentals, right? Here's the here's the uh, you're watching this. You're you're obviously in short term rentals, but here's the obligatory plug about why short term rentals are so fantastic is you can change it every day. You can change it. You can try some stuff and it doesn't book. You go in and you change it. Long term rentals, you get somebody, they sign a lease, you're locked into them probably for 12 months. Short term rentals, if your pricing's not working today, you drop it tomorrow. You can raise it back up the next day. You can constantly play around with it. There is a and, and again, just like Luke said, there is it's the same for every market. You know, I don't, I don't think there's nuances. I think every individual is going to play around a little bit different. I think it has more to do with what helps you sleep at night. But yeah, I go in, I do far out pricing. We've talked about that. You can have aggressive pricing so that if you're not booked and it's getting closer, price labs will automatically, you know, raise or lower your prices. If you have orphan nights, there's so many different little things you can get in there and you can get in the weeds and spend hours upon hours in there. And I'm sure there's people out there doing that and they're absolutely killing it. Um, but you can also just hit the high levels, get a nice consistent system going. If you're going to do the same basics for your entire properties in price labs, you can do a, a full calendar, all your listings adjustments so that all these terms happen on everything. And then if you have one or two properties that are anomalies, you can go in and override that on the individual listings. Um, I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't want to get into all the details. There's just tons of them. Get in there and play with them. See what works for you. Well, that's one of the things I really like about Price Labs is because it's so customizable, but it doesn't require you to be in every nook and cranny to make it work the way it's supposed to. So it's really about, yeah, it's really about like your comfort level, the amount of time that you want to spend with it. Um, get the basics down for sure. You really need to understand that. But beyond that, you know, you can leave it as is, or you can, uh, you can go in and tweak to your heart's content. So if you're, if you like playing with numbers and metrics and things like that, you're going to be in heaven. If that's not your thing, that's okay. It can still do a great job for you. Yeah. The price the labs is thing is an easy button, but price labs is the closest thing. Cause you can, you can just put it in there and it'll do okay for you, but you're going to have, you're going to have to get in there and play around and, and, and tweak it and, and just really get to know it. Cause there are just so many little things that you can do. There's stuff in there that I probably don't even realize I can do because I, I just haven't dug as deep as some others can and would. Um, so if you're going to get in there, get in there and play with it though. The price labs is a race car, but without a driver, it'll go straight into the wall. Right. You know, so you do need to get in there a little bit. You just need to, you know, you can put it on cruise control if you want to, you're probably not going to get the same results as if you're in there doing double pedals with your, you know, breaking with your left foot and stuff like that. But, um, uh, car analogies, I don't know where that came from, but, and, and this is starting to sound like a price labs commercial and I do apologize. And I do want to mention that we do not, none of us here have ever gotten any kind of kickback or referral fee or anything from price labs. It just, it really is. If you're going to be in this business, you're going to use it. Um, and, and every now and then I'll see on a Facebook group where somebody's like, 
you know, Price Labs is stupid or something like that. And I'm just like, what? Like, I mean, where, what, what rock do you live under? I mean, you know, uh, so yeah, you're going to use it. Uh, long story short. Oh, and then it's, this was my point, uh, which, uh, yeah. Uh, Avery mentioned about the market. Now here's the deal with the Smokies. This is something that we should mention. Th- there are a million things going on in the Smokies all the time. I mean, it's overwhelming. Like, you know, and especially if you're brand new and you get in and, you get into this market and you're like, oh my God, Jeep invasion. Oh my God, the, the, uh, there's another Jeep invasion. And then the hot rod run and then this and that and weddings and this and and, and the Cal Ripken baseball season and all this stuff. And it never ends. And, and, the, and the fireflies, you know, and it's all this cool, fun stuff. And it can be very overwhelming. And I'll be honest with you, I just kind of let Price Labs handle that stuff. And I, and I feel that it does a very good job. And, and a lot of that has to do with scaling, I think, too. You can't move on to the second, third, fourth, 28th property if you're sitting there worrying about firefly season every year. You know what I mean? At a certain point, you got you to gotta stop micromanaging. But it is a very fine line between micromanaging and not paying any attention. Agreed. That's true. But yeah. I feel like in the last year you know, I kind of tipped over from, you know, the micromanager to not paying attention. And I know that I left money on the table as a result. You know, I just, I had a lot going on and my cabins were kind of on autopilot. I, you know, had good enough systems that I could do that and knew the wheels wouldn't come off. And so that's what I did. But also looking back on the year, I'm just like, yeah, they could have done better had I been more engaged. This is going to depend on where you're at in your journey. I, I have a good friend of mine who is, uh, you know, at a point where he's been doing a bunch of remodels and he needs to optimize what he's got available right now, even in the slow season. And he is in there every single day making tweaks and making adjustments. And he's like 100% booked in February on a couple of these little one bedroom studio cabins that he has. And it may feel like he's dirt cheap on his rates, but he's making $3,600 out of this little cabin, whereas my one bedroom is going to do like $1,800 this weekend or this week because or this month because I didn't get in there and tweak it, you know? So, you know, who's who's doing better, him or me? Well, it depends on the perspective. I mean, maybe I'm in a position where I'm okay with not trying to keep it full and I want to have get some more work done because I've got, you know, 10 of these things, 11 of these things. Um, but you know, you, you got to get in there and tweak and play with it. And if you're needing to keep those things full, then you're going to spend a lot of time. If you've got one or two, you definitely should be spending a lot of time in there playing with it and tweaking it. There is no true cruise control. Um, but if you've got 10 or 12, you, you may not be as worried about it, but you are leaving money on the table. Absolutely. I know I'm leaving money on the table. Um, I'm just willing to accept that for the net for now until I can, you know, figure out the system that's going to improve on it. Well, and I think he's a great example of someone who's really using the enemy method and doing a lot of just like manual AB testing to like, all right, so I'm going to change this lead photo. What does that do to my ranking on Airbnb? And like, he spends a lot of time doing those things to really try and optimize, you know, it's like, what happens if I, you know, lower my cleaning rate um, for, you know, what if I drop it by 25% or whatever? And just like lots of tweaks like that. And just like, re- but really not just doing it and seeing what happens in the kind of abstract sense, but just like, okay, now I'm going to go in my other browser window and see, did that increase my ranking? Um, and so it's, ve- you know, that's very time consuming. That's very tedious, but he's really doing a great job of putting that to work and um, and it's paying off for him. I love to pick his brain about it. I'm like, wait, you did what? What photo <laughs> did the best? 
Why do you think that is? I would love to know if you guys can remember, because you can always remember everything until somebody asks you about that specific thing and then you can't. What is the biggest pricing mistake you've ever made? Mm-hmm. Going live and forgetting to raise Christmas, you know, the, whatever the <laughs> upcoming holiday, it happens to everybody. But you go live and, and you know, Christmas is two weeks from now or whatever. Right? Let's, let's say you go live now and 4th of July is coming in four or five months. And uh, you forget about it or you don't even think about it. And next thing you know, somebody books 4th of July, your $2 million beach house for $150 a night, you know. Uh, it's super common. I, I, I'm gonna go the uh, I'm gonna go the other end of that spectrum. Uh, my biggest mistake is pricing too high um, and not getting booked and not necessarily realizing and then and then realizing it too late. You know that it's I, I again I got I, I had ten active listings last year and I knew one of my cabins wasn't doing as well as I as it should. I just knew the calendar wasn't staying full and it was a conversation between Luke and I that I actually went in there and looked at it and I realized how bad it was. And it was it was because I was priced too high, I wasn't paying attention. And I, I gave up so much revenue last year on that cabin because I forgot about it. And as soon as I started playing with the pricing and getting it down to where it needed to be and using the enemy method and recognizing where I was, I started getting bookings and I, I made up a lot of ground that last quarter of the year. But so yeah, don't don't price too high. You know, find that happy medium, especially when you're new to a market or you're new to an area um, in the Smokies, especially. You know, drop the pricing, put some safeties in place, but pay attention because a month or two will go by in your life, and you'll realize you had zero bookings, and you can't make that up. It's gone. The time is gone. And when you're trying to book very last minute, you will have to be dirt cheap, especially this time of year. So back to Luke's thing, when you have someone accidentally book when you forgot to raise the prices, I see this a lot. I see this question a lot in our Facebook groups. Do you go back to the guest and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I accidentally yes. didn't have this. You do. You, do you yeah, go back I, and you try to get your money back? I don't tell Airbnb because they'll remove me in the middle of the night. But I have told people that I uh, was actually probably going to be selling this house and they wouldn't be able to stay there anyway. So please go ahead and cancel. <laughs> Um, things like that, but yeah, you know, that's the last resort. Don't do that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you beg and plead with them. You know, here's the deal when it'll happen, it will happen. And when it does happen, they know they got a deal. They know, and they're going to throw a little bit of a fit, but, uh, I mean, you know, I had to tell one person one time, listen, you went up to the cash register at the, at the store with these jeans and they had the sticker from the wrong pair of jeans on them. And I'm sorry, but I just can't do it. Um, and you know, maybe that store would, would let it slide on a pair of jeans, but I'm not going to do that on a $3,000 vacation, you know? So, uh, most of the time they realized that it was, um, I had a one time where something, I, had a, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but not that long ago I had, oh, here's what it was. I put, um, I put a seven, $7 a night instead of a $7 minimum on price labs. I, I know manual override. Okay. Uh, and and the minimum price per night on both platforms is ten bucks, so it, it defaulted to ten bucks. And I had somebody book like you know it was like eight days in in May or whatever, um, or March. It was like a spring break thing or something, uh, April. I don't know. And uh, and it was like eleven ten dollars a night. And I messaged. It happened to two people. Um, and and I was like, hey, just you know, I'm sure you're aware that we can't rent this house to you for ten dollars a night. I don't know what happened. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, you know, they throw a little bit of a fit, but they, you know, they, 
all you can do is hope that they'll understand. And they really kind of have no choice at that point for $10 a night. Now that's an extreme example. Yeah. I'm fortunate. I've, I've never had an extreme one happen. Um, my first ever listing, uh, we were putting it, we were, we were setting it up in, uh, used to be called your Porter. It's guesty now, but, uh, Luke was helping me and we set it up. And as soon as we activated the listing in guesty, it automatically made Airbnb live. And neither of us realized that that had happened. And while we were on the phone setting it up, I had gotten a booking. Uh, fortunately, I had had my price set a little bit high anyway. So I had no cleaning fee. I had nothing else. But I booked a one-bedroom cabin at like 250 a night on Memorial Day weekend. It was like nothing to complain about, you know, so we kept it. Um, but yeah, I've never, other than that, I've not had to come to that situation. But if it was extreme, I, I absolutely would reach out to the guest and, and, have a conversation, try to have an adult professional conversation with them about that there was an error and a request that they cancel. And uh, hopefully it, it resolves itself. I, I, I'm sure there's stories out there of the guests that refused, but most of the stories I've read, the people who have been in that position, the guest has been understanding and been willing to cancel. Avery, your uncle did this recently, did he not? Yes, I was just going to bring that up. Good old Uncle Jody. So they went to book, I think, a trip to Park City for maybe this Christmas or January. And it was it was super cheap. And the host said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I just opened my calendar and I wasn't paying attention. And so they texted me and I didn't know they were going to use this information for good, for evil and not good. <laughs> but uh they said, can they cancel on their end? Can the host cancel on their end? She says she didn't have her calendar right. I'm like, well, they can, but they're risking, you know, losing their super host status. They'll get dinged. And so they went back to the host and they said, well, you'll lose your super host status if you cancel me. So I'm going to stay here. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I just stayed out of it from that point. But yeah, they did. They did do that. I, I haven't asked for an update on if they kept the reservation or not. But Actually, uh, went it, out of my was lane. it Sundance weekend or week? Because that's... Know. Because that's Christmas. January, and that's remember. that's like the peak in Park City. Oh yeah, it was definitely either way. It was peak, it was maybe not dollar. Sundance peak, but definitely peak. Well, <laughs> I actually went out of my lane on that one, and I texted your uncle on the side, and I said, "Dude, um, you've got to cancel that reservation. I'm sorry to tell you, but you can't go stay at that house for fifty bucks a night. You know, you just can't do that." And so he finally, I don't know if he ended up doing it. He didn't tell me, but it, it I felt like I did get somewhere with him. Um, hey, I'm a believer in karma. You know you did something wrong. Own up to it. And uh, and I, you didn't do anything wrong in that situation. Right. Again, the host made the mistake. So I take that back. It's not that you did something. But you know that it's just not right. Uh, it may be legal. There may be nothing wrong with it from certain perspective. But there's some part of you that knows. If you have to ask yourself, should I do this or not? The answer is probably no. I mean, that's pretty safe. If you're asking that question of yourself, you know the answer. And uh, then it's up to you if you sleep well at night. Dude, Derek, where, where were you in my 20s, man? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was not this. <laughs> promise you. I was, time, I was like, I shouldn't anyone. be doing this. I should not be doing this. And it's so <laughs> cool, but I'm not, I should not be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm we going to say. We all talk about wishing we, we knew ourselves in our 20s. What advice we give ourselves? The fact is none of us would listen to ourselves. No, now. no, I, uh, I wouldn't even want to talk to that dude. Well, I feel like this is not directly re related to pricing, but when you're setting up on Airbnb and Verbo, they, as like their main onboarding process, they do not ask you what the cleaning fee is. You have to make your listing live and then go in and set the cleaning fee after. 
And it's I've definitely been caught a couple of times where I forgot to do that and got bookings. So I just had to eat the cleaning fee on it. So uh, make a note that you need to do that immediately after going live because they don't give you the option when you're doing your first setup, which is annoying as can be. But yeah, as I say, I don't know if we want to get into that right now, but we can talk about that, that, that initial setup. You know, when you're first setting up Guesty, I hit on it. Julie just brought up a good point. When you go into Airbnb and you start your listing, it's only going to ask you the bare minimum. And if you're not, you know, savvy enough to recognize that that's all they're asking you is the bare minimum, and then you go live, you're going to, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Um, so as soon as you go live, you go back to your listing, pause it, and now start going back through page by page because there's a ton of stuff yeah. that is not going to be there. And your calendar is going to be a big part of your calendar. And your pricing is all going to be a big part of that. Right. And if we want to talk about that initial pricing, Luke has a phenomenal method where uh, the, the number keeps going up because of the, the world we live in. When I started, it was $250 a night. Now it's $4,000 <laughs> $4, a night. Are we, up, are we higher than that now, Luke? No, I don't it's know. $4,000. And as a matter of fact, that's chapter 10 in the, in the blue book. <laughs> Not the purple book, the blue book, chapter blue 10. Book. So, so yeah. So when you're setting it up, do that. That's your default to protect you a little mm -hmm. bit. And then, and then spend yeah. time I, again, calendars and pricing, spend time when you first set up, get it active and then pause it and go in there and spend some time and really dig in. You're not going to make your listing active in an hour. You're, you're going to spend an hour on what you think is an active listing. You are going to spend several hours over the course of a week if you're doing it right, unless you've got really good systems getting your listing and your pricing and your calendar right in order before you go actually go live. I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity to give a little plug, by the way. If you want to know more about that stuff and how to do all that, I'll teach you that in, in a little class called Management Monday if you buy a house with the shop. Um, if, if you found this video inadvertently or whatever and, uh, and you, you like our vibe, you want to come buy a house with us, I'll teach you that and much more uh, every Monday in, in a class called Management Monday. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> Sorry. Awesome. So do we have any more points we want to make that we feel like, you know, maybe some common mistakes or tips or anything that we want to hit before we wrap up that we haven't talked about already? I can't think of anything. I mean, it's it's such a, you know, the most important thing we've we've said it over and over again is is get in there and learn it. Get in there and play with the calendars. Um, you know, that's the most important aspect is I don't care if you've been doing this for a day or 10 years. You, the the algorithms are changing the softwares are changing don't ever think you've got it figured out because the minute you think you've got it figured out and you think you've got your systems in place and they're all operating and you don't have to get involved anymore that's when it's going to bite you in the ass so whether it's you personally whether you've got somebody working for you whether you've got somebody involved stay on top of it and never ever ever stop learning how it works yeah, yeah for me uh, you know long story short January, February, a little bit slow. Work on those in like October, September-ish. You know, work on those, meaning make sure your prices are where you want them to be a little ahead of time. Fewer people coming in January and February, so you want to be the first to scoop them up. I think the 30-day, the 30 to 45-day in advance things out the window for these slow, slow seasons. May's a little slow. Uh, September's a little slow with back to school. So just don't be caught off guard. You know, I see it all every year. Everybody's like, oh my God, it's so slow. Well, dude, what were you expecting? This is the gig. That's like saying, oh my God, I had to repaint the the, the, the kitchen after this tenant moved out. Well, what were you expecting? Of course you had to repaint the kitchen. You know, it's just part of it. Anyway, don't overthink it. 
All right. Well, on that note, if you guys want to buy a house with us, Luke already told you how to do that, but the shorttermshop.com or make sure you join our Facebook group called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same as you're really distracting me with the baseball thing. <laughs> same as the um as the name of the book. Look how distracted you got me doing that. Uh Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth is the name of our Facebook group if you want to learn more and uh we also have a weekly office hours session, we call it, that anybody can sign on to and ask Luke and I questions about short-term rentals. And you can get the link to that at strquestions.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.